You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 6. Verses 1 through 30, Job claims his complaint is just. After bearing the first salvo from his frenemy, Eliphaz, who ignorantly and insensitively accused Job of some secret sin that brought God's judgment down on him, Job defends his right to complain about his misery. Job first wishes his grief could be weighed. The burden he was under was heavy, therefore he admits he spoke rashly. This referred to his desire to either never to have been born or to die, recorded in chapter 3. He says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. He seems to realize his words in chapter 3 were harsh. It's been said that the words, if only, are the saddest words because they express such regret. Then he uses few figures of speech to show he feels these were God's judgments. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Job understands the obvious. In God's universe, he must be behind these calamities. Affliction is hard enough to bear, but when you get a sense of the disapproval, or even worse, the censure of God, it makes it even harder. Like Jesus, the spiritual suffering was even greater than the physical suffering he endured. Job asked if a wild donkey brayed when it had grass or when an ox had its fodder, basically saying, do people complain when the things are going well? The answer is no. Then why do they assume he has no basis for his complaints? Then he asks if flavorless food can be eaten without salt or if there is taste in the white of an egg. This shows us that salt was produced quite early on. But his point is that even animals expect palatable food, but he has lost his appetite. He is so overwhelmed by his grief and suffering that he wishes God would just do as he asked and finish him off. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant me what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. The image here is of a weaver at a loom cutting off excess thread. Then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. He claims to still honor God's words. He found God's words precious to him. His consolation is that even if he died now, he had not denied God. He is not an agnostic, but a committed believer. He wants to remain faithful to God and sees death not just as a release from pain, but as a way to die before the intensity of his suffering might make him do something to dishonor God. He could see no hope for strength or deliverance in himself. What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Then he rebukes his friend for his insensitivity. He says, even if he had forsaken God, which he hadn't, his friends should still show kindness to him. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. We may be in the situation where we must comfort someone who is going through a trial harder than any 
we've personally experienced. We shouldn't pretend to understand something we don't, but we can point to someone who does. Jesus suffered more than even Job did. Our ability to comfort someone doesn't depend on similar circumstances, but on our ability to point to the Comforter. He says, They have dealt deceitfully with him and are as useless as a dry riverbed. He determines that the reason for this is fear. Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid. They always believed Job to be righteous, but because of what they are witnessing, it has challenged their theories. They now have to prove Job is a sinner, or they are in danger too. They were disappointed in him. Well, he was disappointed in them too. People will always disappoint us, but God never will. Matthew Henry says, Even when we expect little from men, we have less. But from God, when even when we expect much, we have more. Then he challenges them to show him how he had sinned. Did he ever ask for a bribe or a gift? If they'd show him what his great sin was, he'd be quiet. But their empty words proved nothing. Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? He was not unteachable, but they weren't teaching him anything. They rebuked him and made it seem as if his words were just hot air. They were undermining him, slowly weakening the foundation he based his life upon by taking away his integrity. He told them to look him in the eyes and ask them, Would I lie to your face? He stood by his righteousness. He was not hiding some secret sin. He said, can my mouth not discern malice? He was basically saying, don't you think I'd recognize sin? Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Job feels his sufferings are heavy and wishes they could be measured. The Apostle Paul describes suffering as a weight, but calls it light in comparison to the glory to come. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 2 Corinthians 4.17 Part of the reason our affliction is light is because, compared to eternity, it only lasts a moment. Job felt attacked by God himself because he understood the sovereignty of God. In God's universe, he must be behind this. So this is true in that he allows or decrees everything that comes to pass, as we saw in chapters 1 and 2. But Job is dangerously close to accusing God of sin, something we must not do. Job uses examples from nature to show that people and animals don't complain unless there is a valid reason. Therefore, he feels justified in voicing his complaints. As we saw in chapter 3, we can be honest before God in prayer because he already knows our thoughts anyway. Job longed for death, both to end his misery and to die before he denied or cursed God, something he feared doing. He admitted he wasn't as strong as he thought himself to be. We need to recognize our weakness, too, and rely on God's strength. Job rebuked Eliphaz for his lack of kindness toward him and understood that it was because of fear that the same thing might happen to them. Wisdom rebukes rightly and at the right time. 
He challenges them to be specific in showing him how he had sinned, because their vague accusations were not helpful. And unless we know all sides of an issue perfectly, it's best to remain quiet than to accuse falsely. Since they knew him, he challenged them to look into his eyes and see he was not lying to their faces. We must be truthful in all our dealings with people. He hoped they'd give him the benefit of being able to recognize sin in his life. We need to let people be convicted by God of their sin and not point out all their failures. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 7. May God bless the study of his word.